Welcome to the Sandhills Podcast. My name is Pastor John. I'm joined today by Jack and Sean, who are also on staff with me. And we all work <laughs> together, and it's a lot of fun. And so we are excited that you guys are tuning in today. We're talking about the theology of music and why music is so impactful and important to us as people. So stay tuned. It's going to be awesome. And let's get started. Jack, we'll start with you. Yep. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you come to faith? What brought you to Sandhills? That kind of stuff. So I came to faith kind of in two parts. Um, First, when I was 16, I had this really, really bad flu for like a week, and I did nothing but watch TBN 24 hours a day. And uh, I kind of made a profession but um, by calling in, but my life really didn't change um, <clears throat> at that point. And then uh, a few years later, I was dating this girl, and she invited me to a church uh, service, but it was like a special classical guitar concert. And, of course, being a guitar player, I thought, yeah, I'll go check this out. And um, it was a really amazing aesthetic experience, just beautiful, just moving. Um, but then as I, as I left that building, there was a really kind of bad accident right in front of me where this guy got hit by a speeding truck. Oh, my gosh. And, um, I mean, he survived and stuff, I found out later. But, like, I suddenly realized I felt that there was this spiritual uh, tension of... Um, you know, something keep wanting me not to participate in this whole church thing, but at the same time, well, maybe there's something drawing me to it. So anyway, wow. over the next several months, I started going to that church and uh, going to a like a small group Bible study for college age kids mm -hmm. and uh, heard the, you know, the gospel preached and talked about and lived out. And so somewhere in that time, I kind of made the, the a profession in my mind. Like I was like, oh, no, i got to follow this Jesus. Mm. And it wasn't for another few months that somebody actually sat down and said, hey, would you like to pray to receive Jesus? So so that's how that happened. Wow. So, so how, like, how old were you in I that? I was 19. 19. Yeah. Okay, wow. Sean? Um, much different. Um, so me and my brothers were um, just raised in a Christian household. Um, we always went to church. And... Uh, Eric and I disagree with the exact year. I think we were five. Do we agree on that? We were five. Yeah, we agree. We were five. We agree now. Eric behind screen yep. rose up. Five Which fingers. actually, can For I? Those that you can't see. Yeah, can I say it's actually really fun being at the table? I have been behind the camera for most of these <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> podcasts. He's the man behind. It's kind the of curtain. fun being. It's kind of fun being on this side. Um, so we were five years old, and I this conversation have we in it because me and Eric did everything together yeah. so we were five years old and i just remember one day my mom having a conversation with us about um following jesus and you know wanting to go to heaven and um so yeah we we made that decision then and, and prayed then um and then really kind of just lived as a normal homeschool christian kid i didn't get into much trouble um but my faith didn't really take off until coming here, mm. coming to Sand Hills in 2002, um, being part of student ministry here, and then really started to grow in 2014. Not 20. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Wrong decade. 2004. 2004. <laughs> I was I was 14. I was 14. 2004. Um, we went on our first mission, first mission trip down to Miami. Um, and that, that was kind of like a big moment. Yeah. That was a big, big moment where, 
Um, and I've shared this before, but that's where kind of God brought it clarity to mind that salvation wasn't just a get out of hell ticket. Card, you know, it, yeah. yeah, it's not just a get out of hell free card. Salvation was you being saved for a purpose. Mm. And um, it was that purpose was to love others, to, you know, serve others, just follow in obedience to God and uh, whatever his will was for your life. So, yeah, that was kind of in a nutshell, um, yeah, my spiritual journey at the start. That's a great point because a lot of people m- who are very young come to faith and it's the get out of hell free card, you know, one ticket to heaven. And that's kind of your mindset of it. And that's why a lot of people display it and leave it at that. And then people go on not realizing that there is a purpose. And yeah. one of the things that Jesus says is I've come to bring you life and life in the fullest. Amen. Exactly. And then he uses parts of your life and both of you guys, huge parts of your lives is music. Mm-hmm. And so how did kind of going on that, how did Christ bring a newness to your passion for music, um, Jack? Especially since you were already in music mm-hmm. before coming to faith, kind of tell us a little bit about that. Right. So um, yeah. So I was, you know, playing in bands. Well, so let me back up. So my parents were uh, musicians, and mm-hmm. until I was about two years old, um, and of course years before that, they were um, before I was born. They um, they had played in all the Vegas stuff, all around the country, actually other parts of the world. And then they had their own um, traveling, you know, group that was doing the, the pop of the day and jazz wow. and that kind of stuff. What, what what did your dad play? Your mom was a singer, right? My mom was a singer okay. and she played harp. And my dad was a piano player and the arranger for the band. Awesome. Did she bring the harp with her? She did. Wow. wow. There's some funny <laughs> stories about that, but we probably don't have time for that. But... um. Anyway, so I grew up in a musical household, and, you know, I took piano probably two different times when I was, like, six and eight, and didn't really take to it. You know, it's not that I hated it. I just didn't want the practicing, the the basic scales and that yeah. kind of stuff. And so when I was, like, nine years old, I went to this arts camp um, that mostly, if you're older and, like, say you played um, an orchestra instrument, they had a whole summer program. And so they had kids from all over Southern California um, and probably other places who came to make contacts, develop their skills and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, for the younger kids like us, they had um, kind of activities that you could choose to do in certain parts of the day. And I, the first day I remember that when they said, okay, you can go to one of these pavilions and do whatever you want that they offer there. I went to the guitar ukulele one that day and that was where it just clicked and I went back every day um during that camp and when I got home I asked for a guitar and um I got one for my next birthday and so anyway so I I you know guitar was a huge thing and an expression of you know feelings and emotion and all kinds of stuff so when I came to faith I already knew that power of um, the emotion side of music. And, you know, I'd, I'd go to, I went to a church and I would hear some of the hymns and I thought, man, these things are beautiful. You know, the, the music of them. And then, um, how they communicated truth became a really big thing to me. So then I, I wanted to do the same thing, but with kind of a more modern take, Mm. um, on that music. I mean, I still love hymns and I love, modern takes on him a lot too so anyway i guess it was just a a transition from um you know being a 
um, an audience participant to wanting to um, take this stuff that has been around for many years in the church that communicates truth and is emotional and um, do a new expression with it. So I guess that's kind of um, how it changed for me. Yeah. Sean, when did you get into guitar and... So, um, yeah, similar, a similar start to the music was my mom trying to teach me piano. So actually <clears throat> both my parents were musicians as well, just not professionally. Um, mom, um, was actually a pretty good pianist and, uh, dad was a really good drummer. Um, dad played drums in all the churches we went to, um, even was like the first drummer in a couple of churches we went to, I think. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, mom tried to teach me piano when we were in like second grade or something like that. Yeah. I hated practicing. It's, it's the worst. You still remember chopsticks though? No. Oh, wow. I had to, uh, I mean, we had, well, to, <laughs> to graduate from a music program, you have to be proficient on piano. So I, I, I know enough piano to plink out some chords. Um, but uh, I, after that, I just had really no interest in music. Um, and then it was really in the teenage years. Um, you know, I was always listening to music as a kid. Um, it was mostly Christian bands and stuff, mm-hmm. but um, Eric and I got older and we started listening to more like hard rock, like P.O.D. and Skillet and stuff. And you, all you're hearing is guitars and stuff in that one, you know, right. and, st- and that kind of music. So guitar became a, a big focus of mine. And then, I mean, just eventually I just asked for a guitar for, for Christmas or something and I got an acoustic guitar. Um, it was the only guitar, the only acoustic guitar I had until like two years ago where I finally bought a new one. Um, well, you had that same guitar? Yeah. Wow. That thing yeah. lasted. Yeah. I mean, it's okay, um, but you don't find a lot of left-handed guitars. So mm. as a left-handed guitar, Jack's left-handed too, but he plays right-handed guitars. Um, wow. It's true. All true. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, so, so I knew I wanted to play left-handed. And the only reason for that with a little side detour is because of air guitaring. Mm. I always air guitared left-handed. So once people are like, no, try to learn right-handed. I'm like, no, this doesn't feel right. I air guitar left-handed, so I want to play left-handed. <laughs> when I'm cleaning and holding a broom, I play it like this. So That's just the way I wanted to hold <laughs> Um. So, but really, guitar just was, it was like me growing in guitar and growing in my faith happened at the same time. Yeah. So it was kind of just growing in both. Um, so there wasn't like a, a change from one to something else, but it was just, just a steady progress of, of learning, um, you know, of learning guitar, but learning, you know, how to use it in corporate worship settings and, and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it, Actually, I haven't really thought of that way before, but it has been just a, a deepening of both journeys at the same time. Wow. This is what it's really been for me. Kind of each one supporting the other. Yeah, I yeah. Think, as it and, goes up. And both, um, both progressing quite significantly at CAU. Why do you actually. guys think that music can do that? How, how can music do that? It's, it's almost indescribable. Like I'm trying to, have, like, trying to find the right words to ask the question, <clears throat> and it's hard with how music touches us. Right. And can and can bring us closer to God, you know, which is incredible, but can bring us closer together into thoughts and emotions. Right. So music is, you know, in, in that sense, it is really powerful um, because it it plays on the emotions, you know, and that I mean that's kind of where it affects people. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, you know, that can be 
both positive and negative in that um, mm. positively it can, um, you know, stir your emotions to action in a good way. Yeah. But it can also divide because people have, you know, a taste like, oh, I, I love this kind of music. Mm-hmm. I can't stand this, you know. So that's a division um, that, you know, I think we have to be aware of. But, you know, I'm reminded of um, the the he was from or is in New York, um, Tim Keller has uh, this sermon I listened to that um, one of Pastor Jeff Philpott's mentors, Roy King, um, sent to me. He said, mm-hmm. hey, you need to listen to this and check this out. And so it's a whole message about the power of music in worship and in Christian life, you know, private yeah. worship, public worship. But at the very end, um, he he says this statement. I, I'm, I, I can't quote it exactly, but basically he said, you know, as a preacher— this, what I'm about to say next kind of bothers me a little. He says, you know, I can preach a whole 45-minute sermon about Christ and the theology and truth and, you know, yeah. here's how you put it into practice. He said, but the most transformational part is often the song that follows that message. Mm. Because, you know, if we if yeah. we follow the, hey, you get the knowledge, the understanding in your mind, then it needs to get to your heart. Right. So that it can go out your will, so that you will be transformed. You'll then put into practice what you've learned, and that was um, that was his point about music. He goes, you know, often that song afterwards is what stirs those emotions and gets that truth into the heart, so that people start to put it into practice. Hopefully, wow, that is so true. Where we, you hear a song, you might hear an impactful message, but then the music gives you time to pause and reflect mm-hmm. and to dwell, right? And then it makes that kind of journey downward. Yeah. You know? And, um, you know, honestly, that's, I think as I get older and um, just, you know, being involved in, in music, you know, every week, I find sometimes the most meaningful times for me during that corporate worship with music is the time when I'm quiet, when I'm mm. like not singing. Sometimes that's like me stopping to think about it. Um, but obviously, you know, it's not just stopping to think about it, which I could do during the message, but it's listening to this music and actually just processing it and let Mm. that, you know, um, let that sort of affect me and, 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 you know, think of the truth we're singing and and hearing about. Cause you know, it's like, like truth, it's, it's like, you know, truth carried by like beautiful things, you know, it's like this, Mm. this beauty that helps carry the truth where just the truth might not go without without it right it it's like um literature can do the same thing Mm -hmm. um you know like i'd read you know a lot of um you know read the scriptures and then i'd read theological books um or devotional books um that were you know i thought were really good or helpful but then when i started reading some of c.s lewis's um books that he would talk about some of those same principles from the scriptures it changed how I perceived it, you know, Mm. in a way that now I understand it better. Now I want to live this. I want to put this into practice. You know, it kind of just, you see it from a new angle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You kind of think about it differently. Yeah. Like, so like for instance, my mom, uh, she came to faith at a more advanced age. Mm -hmm. Uh, She would not want me to say exactly, (laughs) but it was only about um, nine years ago, maybe. Mm. And, 
she did so because um, for Christmas one year, my wife uh, sent her, my wife and I sent her a book of C.S. Lewis and it had Mere Christianity. And throughout that year, right? And so she read that book throughout that year. And throughout the year, every once in a while, I get a call from her or an email saying, man, this, I'm really liking this book. And, you know, I tried to be a witness for 20 years before that. And, you know, I finally realized I just need to be a Christian son. But anyway, at the end of that year, she called me and said, "Um, so reading this book, I never understood Christianity all my life up until this point. After reading this, I think I now understand it, and I believe it. Wow. And she joined a church. Now she's really active there. She's Her life is transformed. But it was the artistic expression, the way it's put mm. across in words that touches into the heart, not just the mind. And it was clear. So it was communicating truth with emotion and with art. And I think that that's what music can do when used properly. Right. 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 So that kind of brings me to the next question is, as you know, leaders in a church um, where you are tasked with creating those artistic opportunities of we want to present worship and theology and truth in, in a way that you know complements the message that you just heard, that you can think about it maybe a different way. How do you guys do that? How do you balance that? What are the things you take into consideration and what are some of the hard parts of it and what are some of the great parts of it? Um cool <laughs> right <laughs> easy question yeah. how do you do your job yeah <laughs> um i'm trying to think of where to start um so i guess let me start on uh i guess it's getting to the conceptual side of things we'll mm-hmm, start on sure. a conceptual side and go to a, a practical side of things so starting at a conceptual so you, you end up having to ask yourself, and you kind of alluded to it, and we've kind of been dancing around mm-hmm. some of the verbiage in the conversation so far. So what is worship, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of understand what that is. Um, and Jack and I, um, you know, well, first of all, you know, Jack was the worship director here before I came on staff. All right. Um, so when I get, he was a teen, I got learning to, guitar. Yeah, I was a teen. Wow. Um, I took a few, a couple of years, a year or so guitar lessons from you. Um, before I went to college. Yeah. Um, Look at that. Full circle. Yeah. Right. Right. And now mm. I teach. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> now I teach. Now I teach. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, but um, so something that's always been on my mind, and I know Jack and I, through the years of talking about it, we both agree on this. You know, we, we routinely go to Romans 12, 1, mm. and, um, and, and Paul saying, um, and I'm going to remember it probably more in the NIV than the ESV. But therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Mm-hmm. This is your spiritual act of worship. Mm. Amen. So, um, so we frame that, and that has nothing. That says nothing about music. That says nothing about singing. So it doesn't even say anything about preaching. It doesn't. <laughs> True though. So, um, and Jack, feel free to jump in if I'm leaving part of stuff out if you want to throw anything in on the concept part but it's you know worship for us as a big picture idea is always more is about more than music mm-hmm. right and and actually that that Romans 12:1 idea it's it's everything in life every single decision you make every thing you do and okay so like confession time 
you know, for years, I always thought of worship as, you know, just between me and God mm. um, or with others, but between me and God and a personal holiness aspect to it. Yeah. For like 15 minutes, maybe. You yeah, well, know, you know, Sunday it morning. could be an hour. I mean, yeah. you know, like, I'm, yeah, you know, you might pray with some guys for an hour, you know, mm-hmm. and that's hey, great. But, um, you know, if you think of it like this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. I began to realize over the years that the how you deal with your neighbor, um, you know, the family that you live with, you're close to, um, your friends, your literal neighbors, mm-hmm. or the people who don't look and think like you, and the people who might consider you an enemy, um, that's part of worship. Right. That is the expression of this worship. Mm. And so, like, like, when we talk about, like, our Sunday morning service or whenever a service takes place, that that is hopefully the saints coming together to celebrate the worship they've already done in every day of their life mm. yeah. at work and everything else, and to kind yeah. of get a new encouragement and recharge yeah. to go back out and do it, it for another week. It's a piece of the picture. It's right? a piece. Yeah. Right. So, um, so anyway, so that's big picture concept. And actually just to, to wrap that up or to segue, um, also throughout the years, we've had several definitions of worship. One, I'm going to share for Kevin, actually, you share Kevin McWilliams' definition because I don't remember it as well. Uh, and this yeah. is Dr. Kevin McWilliams. He's yeah, so CA I, professor. He's been at Sand Hills for years. I, I don't have it word for word. I think it was to understand who God is or to, to know God, to understand who he is, and to res- and you respond know, accordingly. And respond accordingly. That's so, the definition yeah. of worship. I was yeah. like, that's simple and that's great. This next one is basically just a much bigger bite of that um, that I heard years ago. And this is from... Um, credited to Archbishop William Temple. Ooh, Archbishop. Yeah, I know you throw that title Can around. Can you read it with an English accent? Wow. Uh, n- <laughs> no, <I'm>, no. <laughs> I could, but I don't know. I don't want to taint it. So, worship is the submission of all of our nature to God. It is the quickening of the conscience by his holiness, the nourishment of mind with his truth, the purifying of imagination by his beauty, the opening of the heart to his love, the surrender of will to his purpose, all this gathered up in adoration, the most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable. Mm. So it's like wow. all of our lives. Man, he gets it. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's beautiful. I mean, McWilliams said the same thing, just yeah. in much fewer words. I, I've, I've recently come into the exact words um, of what McWilliams mm-hmm. said. Thanks, Jeff, for texting it to me. Um, <laughs> contemplating who God is, what he has said, and what he's done then responding appropriately. Yeah. Uh, so. So, so with that, I mean that's so that's like that's in the background of our minds yeah. when we're thinking about what what happens on a Sunday morning, right? So the Sunday morning is the Sunday morning is that last piece of it that that reflecting back to God, that that joining together as a community and saying, "Okay, let's let's do this shared thing together." Um, yeah. So and to tie back to part of the earlier stuff, that Tim Keller article, you know, that's why Jack and myself and Pastor Jeff work really closely together um, each week to go, okay, man, where is this going? What are we doing? Because just as Jack said, we that last song is pretty crucial. And I don't think we've ever had like something where the last song says exactly opposite 
of the message, right. but that's always my fear. You know, you never want, like, you never just want to go, all right, Jeff's doing the message. We're doing the songs. I'll pick whatever. And then just have like complete polar opposite or just complete disconnect from right. what we just heard. We want to be connected in some way to what we just heard, either a, you know, an artistic reiteration of it, mm-hmm. or maybe just a following up on it. Like, um, you know, going, if you just heard something about repentance and stuff, then being able to sing a song that is saying, Lord, you know, I confess, I repent or something like that. Yeah. Um, it so helps, yeah, it helps that journey from the, head yeah. to the heart, you know, and it is, and often it is about a journey and like, I mean, there's very practical things like, you know, we're probably going to start the service mostly upbeat, but, and it's not just, Oh, we want to start upbeat. It's, Hey man, you know, there's I mean, Psalms are about that, you know, come into his presence there's with praise, joy. Right. singing yeah, joy. Right. There is joy. And there is a whole, there's a whole range of emotion. Mm. You get, there's, it's not just, well, when we sing, it's going to be happy. Yeah. Right. There's a whole range of emotion to be represented and even a whole range of, of life and experience to be represented and processed. Sorrow, joy, depression, regret, you know, contrition, and all that can be represented through songs on a Sunday morning. Right. Exactly. Well, so... Like if you think of, say, story mm-hmm. in a movie or a book or a fairy tale or whatever, that usually is communicating something, often some, maybe a truth, maybe an idea, maybe not. Um, but it's um, it moves you because you're following um, a, um, you know, um, not a libretto. What's, what's the term? The arc, the story arc. Mm-hmm. And then you went real music major. Right I there. know. I kind of blanked on the other <laughs> for word for definition a of that word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Libretto is just you know the basic <laughs> the outline of, of a opera, story, or yeah, or whatever the thing is. But, um, but if you think about life as a story, God is writing mm-hmm. in your life through you. Um, you know, that's it, it has the highs and the lows. It has the celebrating time. It has the times of lament. It has the 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 difficult times, and that's, as the church, what we're supposed to be doing for each other. So all of that can be represented in a worship service. And mm. so, so like when we're, you know, when you say, okay, well, how are you picking songs? Jeff has this uh, joke about, oh, yeah, you just put a bunch of songs on pieces of paper in a hat, shake it around and pull out pull a few out. <laughs> Yeah, that's not at all what we <laughs> attempt right. to do, um, even though maybe it sometimes comes across that way. But... Um, <laughs> But, you know, it's like, okay, we'll go back to, hey, okay, Jeff is preaching on this passage, and this, you know, okay, what is your ending point, Jeff? You know, where where are we going to leave off? And what is it, what is your next step? Mm. What is this telling us to do? What is the command to obey that God is telling us through this passage? What is something we need to change in our lives or think about? What do we need to submit to God in? What is, is there something specific? And then we'll try and have a story maybe in some sense in the service, more or less. Right. Um, and culminating, hopefully, in that last song that reflects that. Or the last song might even just be, like, sometimes it's just been like, man, the only thing left to do is just reflect praise back to God. Yeah. And Amen. Go, like, Amen. Because, because of what salvation. we have just heard, oh, man, this is the oh, yeah. most natural response. Amen. Absolutely. That's true. I love that that you guys brought up that point because a lot of times I think we see, especially you know, maybe the last 15-ish years, that there's been certain styles and people really like a style. Right. And the church will choose that style. And the songs are all very similar. And people really like it. They're like, I like that 
that, the way that sounds. Mm-hmm. But I love the point that it's a reflection of a range of emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't just want to choose the happy moments in our life and go, that's what my whole life is, and just reflect on the happy moments and only have happy songs, right? right. But in reality, we have times of grief and sorrow, times of rebuilding and times of calmness and focus. Right. And when you have a variety of music to encapsulate that, the human experience, then you can, that leads you to a, a newer and more fresh place of worship as you recognize we're in a, a broad spectrum of emotion in this building because the person on my left might be in a time of sorrow, but I'm in a time of rejoicing. But how can we worship together? And if you're doing the exact same thing every single week, right, right, eventually people are like, I, where, right. where is the time for me to be sorrowful? Right. right. And, uh, and, you know, you're not going to get, you know, you're not going to get everything every week. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just, not that right. much. What a roller coaster that would <laughs> yeah. be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like you said, like you said, you know, there's, you know, I think it, that's such a critical point of, of realizing there's more than just me sitting in this room. Mm. You know, there's more than just me and what I want in this room. Like being aware, because like the word corporate worship is a thing. We're doing this as a community. Right, We're right. gathering together for a there's a reason there's more of us here than just one person, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like being able to recognize the rest of the body of Christ and go, what do they need? I wonder if, right. if they're dealing with something. And yeah, maybe this is a this is something maybe more for them than it is for me. But you can still love your neighbor through that. Right. And and that actually touches on something kind of you mentioned a little bit too, mm-hmm. is you know, different types of songs, including different styles. Because, you know, some people love one style. Um, and really dislike another style or vice versa. And, you know, at Sand Hills, we've always had that, um, well, for years, have had uh, the 80 20 uh, oh, idea. I love so this. I love this. That, you know, if you're 80% satisfied with what's going on in the church as a whole, mm. uh, and you're 20%, that's uh, either dissatisfaction or um, meh. out of your, yeah, yeah. Meh, meh, or <laughs> out of your comfort zone, then that's actually probably a good place for you to be because if it, if it was 100%, uh, you're not being stretched, you're not being grown. Mm-hmm. And so even in style, you know, we can't do every single style there is, but if we have the ability and the availability of the people to do it, we're open to it. You know, yeah. we will yeah. we will try and do at least elements of different things just but because... You know, it's, it's really, for us, it's just recognizing who is in our community right. and trying to yeah. represent them musically like mm. i was still talking to jack a little bit before this we're talking about ethnomusicology which is you know um study of like music around the world and different culture of music and stuff right. and that really studying that for like a class you know in college really opened my eyes to the fact that you know people do have there's like a heart you know there's like a heart language for like spoken language right right there's heart languages for music too you know mm. different cultures have different like musical heart languages like no this is this is how my, they express themselves. Yeah. yeah. So America has cultures within American culture, right? So we're not one musical culture. And even in church, we're not one. That's the, like you said, it's the false belief sometimes that there's one worship style. Sound, thing. Style, yeah. yeah, style. So recognizing that there are many different musical cultures represented in our church. Um, going, okay, well, how can we sort of facilitate it where people are being able to worship in their heart language of music. Right. I'm trying to think of a better word for that, but no, that's great because it's this idea that in that 20%, you know, you're stretched and you're grown and you find fellowship. 
Yeah. There have been times where I've been, you know, I remember very specifically maybe three years ago, uh, we were here on Sunday and the song started and I was like, oh, you know, I'm not feeling this song too much. But I looked over to my left and there was this person, she was like 60, 70 years old, like older. And was just jamming, <laughs> like jamming and just absolutely worshiping God. And in that, I loved the song. Yeah. And I started worshiping in a new way because I was, yeah. I was like, wow, I like, she's really getting into this and I love it. And I want to worship with her. And then, and you find a newness in worship that's not just like, uh huh, yes, this is what I have on my Spotify playlist in the car all the time. Yeah. Right. It's like, wow, right. this is something that I, I don't even know this gal, but we're worshiping God together in a new way. And that is so much better than just going, like God, needs to, God needs to fit into my box. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, over the years, we've I've said this numbers of times, and some people think I'm joking, but I'm not. Uh, you know, some people will say, you know, they'll say, well, the songs you like. And I'm like, well, okay, I don't like every song we do on Sunday morning, even mm. the ones I'm leading um, sometimes. Yeah. You know, and they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, but it's because it's not for me. It's not about mm. me. This is for others to enter into worshiping God in a corporate setting. Um, and there are going to be some people who are like, that's my jam. That is my, yeah. that's what I, and that's fine. So I need to not get in the way of that. And you know that's I mean? so good because it, you're not a, you're not a DJ in a club for a specific <laughs> audience, right? Right, right? You're a worship club leader. Church. Just jamming. It's that whole idea of like, you know, you, you, you know, if you, you're downtown Columbia, you know, the tons of clubs and stuff and people just walk around cause they're, they're looking for what they want to experience. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a consumer mentality. Exactly. Right. And the DJ, their whole job is like, I've got to make a really good set list that people are going to love. And I'm only focused on, and I'm trying to be the best DJ I can be. But then you come in the, you know, they love all their music cause they're making their own brand. But when you come here and it's, we're leading corporate worship. Right. And I love that idea of, you know, I might not even love these songs that I'm leading myself, but it's not for me. It's for the body of believers to be edified. So that's the difference. I remember one time that was really vivid, uh, vividly um, illustrated, illustrated in my life because mm-hmm. I was leading a song and I, I was only doing it because it really fit the whole service and right. it was not, something I would listen to but I remember up there playing through it and just kind of okay you know this is cool and again I don't want to get in the way of somebody by you know going, oh, I'm just playing rolling this. your eyes yeah. while you're so playing I'm <laughs> playing and singing it and I saw some people who this was and they were getting so into it and it mm. was like oh yeah yeah okay it's a reminder of why this is important and it encouraged me to see them mm. just worshiping God and not caring what People, you know, thought of them the way they're dancing and singing and, and celebrating. Like, it's yeah. joyous. And I was yeah. like, okay, all right, yep, that's a good reminder. Thank, thank you, Lord, for mm. for reminding me that that's uh, that's part of our job. And that's a good reflection of, I think, what heaven's going to be like. Amen. That's yep, what you know? those gathering times are. Hopefully, yeah. Is it is because I mean that's one of the things that I mean our church is you know famous in Columbia for how diverse we are. We're very intentionally diverse, mm-hmm. and and we have that mm-hmm. in our music. We have that in our congregation. Um, praise the Lord. Because that's what heaven's going to look like. Mm-hmm. It's not going to look like people like me all over the place. It's going to be people from all over the world because this thing's been, you know, going on for 2,000 plus years yep. across the entire globe yeah. with different styles of music yep. that they grew up with and worshiped the Lord with. Yep. And God is going to be having people praising him from every tribe, tongue, 
and nation. Yeah. And he's not like, I'm going to take every tribe, tongue, and nation, then give them one style because that's what I really like and that's what I have on my Spotify. Yeah. And they need to play God a major, has Spotify. They need to play in a major key. And <laughs> yeah. Right. Just make it go ahead and make it C. But he sees every tribe, tongue, and nation. Yeah. He says, I want each of you to be worshiping me, which means they're still worshiping yeah. in their style. And then we're finding fellowship in that. And so any taste of that that we can get this side of heaven only draws, you know, more in joy for us to have that that day of celebration yeah. when we get to do that forever. Maybe it'll sound like like metal music. When we go Dude, there. somewhere, somewhere <laughs> Red will be playing over in the side, and it'll just but, be wild. Yeah. <laughs> they had, man, they had, some, they had some couple of really good songs. I haven't listened to them in years, but I remember they had some really good songs. I remember there was a, in, in youth group, there was a, one like kind of group that would always play those songs on our road trips. Mm. And tell you what, they worshiped the Lord. They did, dude. I don't know how they didn't break their necks from just you know oh, up and man. down and just. Well, Eric and I, I'm you like, gotta work how? up to it. You do, you do. You gotta strengthen I, your neck. Eric and I, um, Eric listens to metal a little bit more than I do, but uh, there's a band we like that did a, uh, well, they did a metal version of "How Great Thou Art," <laughs> which is <laughs> I love <that>. awesome. <laughs> it's yes, fantastic. It they also did another metal iteration of uh, Psalm 18. Which actually, when you hear, read some of those songs, like the imprecatory psalms, mm. the only genre that fits is metal. That's true. Mm. That's true. <laughs> no, that's true. I mean, he gets mad. <laughs> so, He's calling it down. So we've talked about music and mm-hmm. you know worship and all that kind of stuff. But um, because we are talking about what worship is, and we mentioned that it's, it's not just music and it's not right. just the service on Sunday. Um, you know, I think... Uh, Sean and I talked about that. Well, actually, we've talked about this lots of times over the years um, about what, you know, a theology of worship is, not just mm-hmm. a philosophy. But, and, um, you know, I think preferring others to, to do a style or, you know, rejoice with somebody else, mm-hmm. um, um, enjoying a style that's not your thing is a reflection of this. Right. But, um, we Sean and I a few years back we went to this uh, um, worship facilities conference, and we heard this guy speak. His name's Grant Norsworthy. He used to be in uh, Sonic Flood, and he he came up with this phrase. And um, actually, Sean, do you want to share what your thoughts were on it? Because you, you, um, the the phrase like the the uh, I think his title for his breakout session was. Um, you know, worship is a living death style. Hmm. It goes along with the metal, uh, yeah. <laughs> but very metal, very metal of him. But there's a there's a really good explanation. Um, but you know, it's it's part of that reflection of some of the Romans twelve idea that that your body's a living sacrifice. Um, mm. uh, it's that putting to death of yourself, you know, and that that worship. You know, he was definitely making the point that it's not just music; it's it's all of that stuff and he particularly went to james um where james um was saying that you know what is true religion or pure religion is you know caring for the widows and orphans and, and some stuff like that so mm-hmm. it, it ended up being um just a furthering of that idea that you know worship is that thing of how you is your actions and how you live it's much less about um uh, you know the singing songs and and it's not, yeah. It's not just the emotion. It's, yeah. it's the, it's like saying love is an emotion when it's not, it's mm-hmm. an action. It's like, and that, and I think that that's putting love into practice to widows and orphans and everyone around you 
is the expression of worship. Mm-hmm. You know, not not that you feel something warm and fuzzy for somebody else, but that you're going to do for them something that uh, may or may not have any benefit for you and may even cost you something mm. because it's for their good so that God would be glorified. That right. That's what worship is, you know. Um, you know, the death style thing, was it Galatians 2? It's the, I've been crucified with Christ and mm. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's the idea of the death style is that I'm dying to self. My old self passes away so that Christ, his life, then lives through me and in me. Absolutely. And that that's worship, really. Yeah. yeah. So what's one thing, kind of as we wrap up this conversation, which has been absolutely wonderful. You know, it's something that a lot of, um, I think, churches maybe don't talk enough about is the theology and understanding of true worship, um, biblically-centered worship. So I love that we've had this conversation um, but what, what's one thing, we'll start with you, Jack, what's one thing you could say, if you could say to every worship leader in the country, what's one thing you would say to them? One thing, um, besides read your Bible and, <laughs> and learn, <laughs> learn the scriptures uh, and that kind of thing, and if ooh. you're writing a song, make sure, anyway, um, but to change your language that, mm. you know, in, because it's going to change how you... Um, approach things and that worship is not music and music is not worship. You know, they're not one thing They're um, Music is an expression of worship, hopefully mm. when used pr- properly. Gotcha. Right. Sean. Um, first thing I would say is there's no such thing as worship guitar. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's a thing you, you hear. Uh, oh, play, play. I play worship guitar. It's like, no, it means you, you play guitar. There's different styles of guitar. <laughs> worship is not a style of guitar. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> there are better words to use to describe what you're doing. Mm. Um, I think actually to, uh, to go on, the first thing Jack said, um, the thing that stood out to me most was read your Bible. Mm. Um, that's why uh, I went to CIU. Um, because I had an inclination graduate when I was graduating high school that, you know, because I was leading worship in the student ministry here, serving on Sunday mornings occasionally, and I was like, you know, I think God might have maybe gifted me with this. Maybe mm. I'll, I have a passion for this. This is exciting. Maybe I'll go that way. And um, you know, I thought about USC for music. Honestly, I probably couldn't have gotten into the school of music <laughs> at USC. Um, but But the biggest thing that drew me to CIU was, you know what? if I'm going to lead someone in worship of God, I need to know who God is. So studying God's word was, is huge for anybody involved in ministry, any form of ministry, um, which is why I love CIU so much, any form of ministry in whatever department you're in, you need to know the word, you know, um, and particularly for worship ministry, music is so could be, could be dangerous because Mm -hmm, you can lead people astray so easily with convincing convincing words and tunes and melodies that sound really that good sound some yeah. of those sound really good and it's beautiful and some of the poetry is actually really well crafted art some of it though is just not true hmm. so you got to yeah. be very careful about that yeah my my first mentor and pastor um at uh the church i started going to when i was 
you know, 19. Um, he was the one who um, really, you know, taught me and discipled me in how to read the scriptures and how to, you know, a, a good hermeneutic principle, you know, how to, how mm-hmm. to apply those, how to um, not take things out of context, and that it's important to do this if you're following Christ. And in that, he even encouraged me in music, you know, like, hey, um, if you're going to write songs or sing songs, make sure they're truthful. Make sure that they um, are based in Scripture. Um, they don't have to necessarily straight quote Scripture. Um, and he even encouraged me and, you know, you, he goes, not every song has to be about um, Christianity. You know, he's talking about mm. pop songs and all that other kind of stuff. He said, but hopefully they're true. You know, hopefully yeah. they're they're not um, uh, something that's, you know, wishful thinking or, or just straight, right. I guess we'd call it heresy. I don't know. But you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like uh, everything in life can is worship. So make sure however you do it, whatever you do it, do it well, do it to the Lord, and make sure it's based in your understanding of who God is. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I always loved about Michael Card mm, yeah. is that he was huge on that. Yeah. Just study the word and then create music out of out of the word, not create music. And be like, let me check to make sure that what I what I came up with kind of matches maybe this verse. And I, and yeah, I see yeah. and I see that word there, so I'm gonna use it in I'm my use song. It here and I'm gonna base the whole song. But and, and by the way, that yeah. that advice about read scriptures and know God, um, kind of basing it on what Kevin McWilliams' view mm-hmm. of worship is, that actually should be just for all Christians, right? Well, thank you guys so much for being on the show. This was absolutely wonderful. It was fun. And it, it is a joy to be on staff serving the King together. I'll just Amen. throw that in there as well. Amen, I love getting to work with awesome. you guys. So. Me too. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, share, send to a friend. Uh, we exist to have these conversations and to benefit you guys so that we can enjoy the Lord more together and grow in depth. So we hope you have a wonderful week. Join us next time. Thanks.